You know when you search for something on Netflix, what you get is only a fraction of what they really have? The streaming service actually has more than 18,000 titles globally, but only about 6,000 of those are available in the good old US of A. That means you're missing out on literally thousands of great shows. Unless, of course, you use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is an app that lets you change your online location, protecting your devices from unwanted snooping and allowing you to control where streaming services and other websites think you're located. There are over 100 different locations to choose from, which means you have access to thousands of new shows and movies no matter where you live. This doesn't just work with Netflix, it works with Disney+, Hulu, Max, a UK streamer called BBC iPlayer, and more. I was on a work trip in the UK during the final season of Game of Thrones, and I tried logging into my HBO account to watch a new episode, but the technology wouldn't let me because of geoblocking. And I wish I had this app at that moment, because I now realize how incredibly easy it is to work around that problem. Here's a more recent example. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is not streaming on Netflix in the US, but I just fired up the episode where Dennis tries to have a peaceful mental health day, and technology keeps interrupting his plans. All I had to do was open ExpressVPN, connect to a UK server, refresh Netflix, and the show just popped up. It's super easy. I've also heard good things about that show called Billions, but I've never been a Showtime subscriber, so I've never seen it. But it's actually available right now on Netflix in South Korea, and with ExpressVPN, it took five seconds to switch over and start checking it out. With ExpressVPN, you get high-quality streaming from devices like your phone, laptop, tablet, and TV, and crucially, it protects your privacy and security to keep your information safe from hackers. Stop missing out on great TV and get thousands of new shows with ExpressVPN. We got them to give you all three extra months free when you use our special link, expressvpn.com slash slash film. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slash film to get three extra months completely free. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Thursday, May 18th, 2023. On today's episode of the show, we are going to gather around the virtual water cooler and talk about what we've been up to. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm an editor at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film editor and chief film critic, Chris Evangelista. Hello. All right, Chris, let's get into it. Uh, what have you been watching recently? Uh, I just watched last night uh, Shazam! Fury of the Gods, which is, of course, the the sequel to shazam and um i i don't know about you ben but i liked the first shazam i thought it was a cute little movie it's you know it's basically big if big was a superhero movie and i thought mm -hmm. that was a that was a fun idea it was a nice twist on the the uh endless wave of superhero movies yeah, so same. so it, it saddens me to say shazam fury of the gods is, is is a piece of crap what a what a, what a bad movie um it's just it's I, again, I'm I've said this before, but I'm I'm so burned out on superhero movies. Like, I, it's like become impossible for me to enjoy them at this point. I just I need a break, and uh, I need them to go away for like two years or something. <laughs> and this this is um, it's just kind of there. It's the energy isn't there. Uh, the problem is everything that made the first movie fun. It, you can't do it again. Like the first movie was all about how this kid learned to be a superhero, but by the end of that movie, he figured out how to be a superhero. So the fun of that is just gone. So now it's just basically Zachary Levy acting like a kid, but he's already a superhero. So he's not learning anything. And it's just, mm -hmm. I don't know. And like Helen Mirren is in it and she's so phoning it in. <laughs> like, she's like, ah, give me my paycheck so I can go cash this at a liquor store. She's like barely, <laughs> trying and i think she's a great actress but she's like not trying at all and uh rachel ziegler who i thought was so good in uh spielberg's west side story she's in this and she's like really bland just the whole movie is very lifeless and 
uh, I just found it kind of a letdown because, like I said, I, I dug the first movie, so this one not 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 worth your time in in my humble opinion. I have not seen this yet, Chris, but I'm curious about the tone of it because there were, as you mentioned, that the first movie is very much like the sort of light and fun uh, DC entry of that time period. But it, there was also a little bit of David F. Sandberg, the director, sort of like sneaking in there, you know, his sort of horror background. There's that scene in the boardroom in particular where like yeah. creatures come to life and people get killed and stuff like that. So does Shazam Fury of the Gods have any sort of um, flashes of David F. Sandberg in there as well? No, it didn't really. It doesn't really feel like it does. Like there are like creatures, but it's not as, uh, you know, uh, as as pronounced as it was in that first movie. So you know, the whole thing just feels like a pale imitation of that first movie. And so, uh, okay, last question: Lucy Liu is in this movie, and she's an actress that I I typically enjoy. I haven't really seen her do a ton of stuff lately. I mean, maybe she's just been working really hard on things that I haven't that haven't really crossed with my own interests or whatever. But uh, I was excited to see that she was cast in this movie because I was like happy that she would be back in front of a lot of people in a mainstream type of thing. How, how was Lucy Liu in this movie? Was she phoning it in as well? Or did she like acquit herself well? Or She's she's trying a little harder, but it's just, a, it's a very underwritten role. She's like just a generic bad guy, basically, or generic villain. So it's just like, there, she's not really being given much to work with. So mm. I think she does the best she can with the material, but she's just sort of there. Like there's this, the entire third act has her like riding around on a dragon. And it's like, if you can't make Lucy Liu riding around on a dragon, interesting, you're, you're wasting our time. Like, mm. like <laughs> that on paper is like, Oh, that sounds really cool. But then you watch it and it's just like, this stinks. So yeah. I, I, uh, <laughs> I, I, it's just a disappointment. Well, that's a bummer. And I, yeah. I think the film performed so poorly that there's probably no chance for a, a third Shazam movie, which uh, from the sound of it, it sounds like a good thing because it kind of like ran out of juice at the very end of the yeah. first movie. So, you know, not every superhero movie needs a sequel. I know that's like anathema to studio heads. Like they, they probably <laughs> hear that and go, what? But it's it's true. You don't have to give everything a sequel. And we would have been fine with just one Shazam movie. Okay, so the next movie that you're going to talk about, I don't think got a sequel. Uh, what's that? <laughs> Boy, I want, you know, every once in a while, I'm in the mood for junk that I don't have to, like, invest myself in. And uh, this movie, Paparazzi, it was streaming on HBO Max, and it was, like, 1030 at night. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to put that on. Who cares? Uh, I had seen this before I, when it came out. And this is a movie, um, uh, it was produced by Mel Gibson. Uh, it's directed by Paul Abascal, who I don't think has made like any other movies. I think he just made this and then everything else he's on his TV. Uh, so make of that what you will. And there was a lot of uh, talk about this movie when it came out in that it was like, is this Mel Gibson's, uh, you know, fantasy? Because it's about a movie star who gets fed up with the paparazzi and starts violently murdering them. And it's so, <laughs> it's a very trashy movie. And like, it's clear that the movie wants us to root for the, the Hollywood actor because it makes the paparazzi characters um, the most repellent, awful people. Like Tom Sizemore is the leader of the paparazzi gang. It's like a gang of paparazzi, basically. <laughs> and he's like threatening the movie star's kids and his family. And he's like trying to take pictures of his wife nude and they're like they there's like a princess diana thing where the paparazzi cause uh the the, the actor he's played by cole hauser who I, I feel like no one really knew he's like a b-movie star mm -hmm. 
they cause like a car accident with the with the the actor and his family in the car, and then they rush to take pictures of them unconscious. So like every single thing they could do to make the paparazzi really repellent, they do. And then uh, <laughs> the, the 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 actor just starts killing them. the The first murder is like an accident, sort of like there's one of the paparazzi is chasing him on a motorcycle, but the motorcycle crashes, and uh, it just happens to be like on a cliff, and the motorcycle guy is hanging off a cliff. And so the actor goes to help him and in true like scumbag fashion, the guy who's hanging off a cliff and his life depends on this guy, he starts taunting him and he's like, I'm going to own you, buddy. And it's like, why would you do this to this guy who's trying to save? And so the guy's like, the, the actor is like, I've had enough. And he drops the guy off the cliff. And I guess that like awakens bloodlust in him because he starts targeting all the other paparazzi. And look, this is not a good movie. Like this is this is like a two star movie, if that. Maybe one and a half stars. But it's very watchable in his badness. Uh, Dennis Farina, the the late great Dennis Farina, is in this. He's playing a cop, but he's basically just doing this like riff on Columbo, where he acts like an idiot, but he's like clearly understands. He's like. He's cracked the case, but he acts like he doesn't know what he's doing. It's like, you know, which is like that Columbo thing where he's like, oh, I'm a I'm a clueless guy, but I actually have figured this out already. So I, I you know, I had fun with that. Um, I had more fun watching this than Shazam Fury of the Gods. So make of that what you will. Man, when you were talking about the the scene where the guy's hanging off the cliff, I was I was certain that you were gonna say that like as the actor like comes over to try to help the guy, the photographer would pull out a camera and take a picture of the actor <laughs> trying to help him and then fall to his death because he was trying to snap a photo. But uh, I, I actually um, wish that had happened because that would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, man, I remember this trailer coming out. This movie came out in two thousand four, and I remember this trailer coming out and it being marketed as like a big Mel Gibson movie. But like you said, he just produced it. And so I don't know, I, I guess they must've been leaning heavily on him at the time. It was around the time that like uh, passion of the Christ came out. So he was like a much bigger deal in Hollywood he like than a, he is now. But. Yeah. And I, he has like a cameo in the movie. And also Matthew McConaughey has a cameo in the movie as oh, himself. Wow. <laughs> like at the end of the movie, they're at a movie premiere and Matthew McConaughey just walks up and he like the act the actor character his name is Bo Laramie and he's like Bo I just saw your movie it was so good I was like this is so stupid <laughs> like this is so bad uh, but so yeah but uh, again it's it's bad but it's watchable kind of bad which is the best kind of bad so if you're looking for pure trash uh, I I recommend watching Paparazzi on HBO Max it, it's a uh, I mean, I guess you could say, you know, if you don't want to, you know, if you, you have a problem with Mel Gibson, which I fully understand, you probably don't want to watch it, even though he's he's not like the star. But other than that, it's it's a it's a fun, stupid movie. OK, before we move on, uh, the one thing, the movie that um, came to mind when you were describing the events of this film uh, a little bit, kind of like adjacent to this, I would say, was is that um, Russell Crowe, like road rage movie that came out yes. like at the start of the pandemic? Did does, does it feel similarly um, sort of like a trashy throwback kind of in the vein of like, do these movies sort of feel like they're in conversations with each other a little bit? Yeah, they're sim. I think the, the Russell Crowe movie, which I can't remember the name of, what the hell was that I called? Yeah. Un, uh, un- <laughs> Unleashed. No, I don't know. Uh, I'll, I'll figure it out while you talk. But that's a little like darker and more like ultra violent. Like I watched that. I was like, this is a weirdly over the top, violent movie so the the paparazzi movie isn't as like gory but they're they're very similar in that 
they they're about like really crazy characters going over the edge and the movie kind of wants us to root for the crazy character instead of being like he probably shouldn't run around murdering people uh the russell crowe movie is called unhinged unhinged yes that's it how could we forget (laughs) yes uh all right what else have you been watching chris uh i watched a movie called Matewan. uh it's it's spelled m-a-t-e-w-a-m it's the name of a town and uh this is a john sales movie um john sales makes uh, he's, a, he's an indie filmmaker and this was put out on the criterion collection and i had the blu-ray and i just never watched it and i was like i'm gonna watch this and i finally watched it it's not streaming anywhere unfortunately but it's on it's on blu-ray from criterion and this movie is fantastic this movie uh it blew me away it's it's incredible um it's set uh, in, I think it's the 19, I want to say it's like the 1920s, and I'm probably wrong, uh, but it's set in the past, and it's about these coal miners uh, who, it is actually set in the 1920s, it's about coal miners in the, in the West Virginia, and uh, they decide to unionize uh, because, you know, their working conditions are terrible, and Chris Cooper plays this uh, union leader who comes to town to, you know, fire them up and, and talk them into joining the union and, he, and uh you know they bring a bunch of the the coal miners the coal mine company brings a bunch of um scabs in and this uh, chris cooper recruits the scabs to join the union and all this stuff and so the the coal mining company is like had enough of this so they send a bunch of like hired guns to town to to stop the unionizing and the town has the sheriff played by David Strathairn, who's like one of my favorite character actors. I love when David Strathairn shows up and he's this like really quiet guy. And you think he's kind of like, just like, you know, he's not going to amount to much, but he turns out to be like this, <laughs> this like quiet badass who isn't afraid of like murdering people if he has to. And the whole movie is just, it's, it's shot in this like hazy tinted way that makes it kind of look like old photographs that come to life. And uh, I just love that it's just like this big pro. It's like a pro union western. It's not actually a western because it's you know in Virginia, but it's got that kind of vibe to it. And uh, I just love that this exists. And it was cool to like watch that now when you know unionizing and striking is is in all over the news and stuff like that. So uh, I, I I really dug this. Um, I don't know like how on the radar this movie is for anyone. It came out in 1987, and John Sales is not exactly like a huge name, even though he's directed a lot of movies but they're they're mostly like smaller films that don't have big distribution so uh but i i really recommend people seek this movie out because it it really impressed me it's 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 excellent yeah man that sounds awesome i've never heard of this before but i was just looking it up and james earl jones and and yeah. uh yeah it sounds, seems like it's got a great cast and um looks like it was nominated for an oscar for best cinematography the poster is like super evocative um there's a great tagline it takes more than guns to kill a man <laughs> yeah it's just it's got that like you know that salt of the earth and everyone's like dirty and they're 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 all hard-working men and you know, i i don't know i just i I went into this knowing nothing about it. I just had the Blu-ray and I, I it really blew me away. So yeah, it, it's really cool. Awesome. So Matawan, I think is how you pronounce it. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. like, it's hard to say because everyone has like thick Virginia accents in the movie. So they all say it differently. Oh, so okay. I don't, I don't really know. I, I'm assuming it's Matawan is how it's, how it's said. Excellent. All right. Uh, well, let's take a quick break and then we'll be right back. All right, Chris. So I've watched three things recently. I watched uh, the movie They Might Be Giants from 1971, which inspired the band name. Uh, have you ever seen this by any chance? Is this a? I haven't seen it, but is it about 
Sherlock Holmes? I feel like I saw the poster and I was like, why is this called that if it's about Sherlock Holmes? And I hope you will tell me. (laughs) I will, yes. So it's it's, uh, George C. Scott is in this movie and Joanne Woodward is in it, which is why I watched it because um, that uh, Paul Newman, Joanne Woodward documentary that Ethan Hawke uh, put up on HBO Max recently, um, I I think I mentioned I started watching that and realized I I had not seen enough Newman and Woodward movies. So I'm trying to like go through some more of their their filmography before I dive into that docuseries. Um, So uh, yeah, it's a, it's a really odd little movie. So um, Jorsey Scott plays this character who is a judge and his wife passes away before the movie begins. And he sort of as a way of coping um, imagines himself to be Sherlock Holmes. Like he, he can't really deal with the the sadness and the tragedy of his life. So he like retreats into this other persona and he like wears the deerstalker hat and like has the violin and the pipe and the whole thing and really like genuinely thinks himself to be Sherlock Holmes. And uh, Joan Woodward plays a psychiatrist who happens to be named Dr. Watson. And so he, when the the Holmes character realizes that this woman who comes to sort of evaluate him uh, is named Dr. Watson, he sort of like takes her under his wing and the two of them become like these partners in this bizarre journey that he goes on to try to track down Moriarty. And like, he thinks that there are, uh, you know, schemes and, and plots afoot. And he's constantly like, going around and, and uh, coming up with like obscure clues that, that lead him to different uh, um, uh, levels of the city and things of that sort. Uh, on Wikipedia, I thought that the, uh, the description of this uh, was amusing to me. So uh, I'll read you just the, the, this one sentence here. The duo begin an enigmatic quest for Moriarty with uh, Holmes following all manner of bizarre and to Watson unintelligible clues and encountering a rich tapestry of individual... <laughs> of individualistic persons in assorted urban situations while the two grow closer to each other in the process. So uh, yeah, that, that's basically the long short of it. Um, the reason that it's called They Might Be Giants is because at one point uh, he quotes um, this, this uh, I, I guess, this reference to Don Quixote. He says, uh, uh, of course, Don Quixote carried it a bit too far. He thought that every windmill was a giant. That's insane. But thinking that they might be, well, all the best minds used to think that the world was flat, but what if it isn't? It might be round, and bread mold might be medicine. If we never looked at things and thought of what they might be, why, we'd all still be out there in the tall grass with the apes. So that's a, a, a nice little, um, I guess, encapsulation of like the, yeah. the sort of uh, you know thoughtfulness that can can pop up in moments in this movie. It's also very very goofy. Like there, you know, the idea of seeing this this character running around New York City in 1971 dressed as Sherlock Holmes yeah. with this you know modern woman psychiatrist uh, sort of you know uh, on his tail is uh, is very um, uh, like inherently silly. But there is a little bit of like melancholy that comes through this movie because there's that sort of inherent sadness of like realizing that this guy is not doing this on a lark. He's doing this because he's suffered this tremendous personal loss. Um, and so, yeah, it's just a fascinating little movie. I don't know if it's going to be everybody's cup of tea. It's, it's certainly, um, 
stranger than it sounds, which is <laughs> which is saying something considering it sounds pretty odd. But uh, yeah, it's called They Might Be Giants. Um, I watched it on AMC. I'm not sure if it's streaming anywhere right I now. I just but... checked. It's on uh, it's on Amazon Prime Video, and I think I'm going to check this out. You okay. sold me on this, Ben. Yeah, it's it's um it's a curious little uh you know the fun sort of bizarre little movie, and and it has really solid performances. I, I really enjoyed George uh, C. Scott in it, and Joanne Woodward was, was great as well. So, um yeah looking forward to uh to hearing what you think about that chris and then uh speaking of amazon prime video i finally caught up with air the new ben affleck movie that i think this past friday um came on to prime video uh i, I just missed this one in the theater but i knew it was going to be streaming soon because amazon was the, the studio behind it and um yeah i enjoyed this movie it was not like it didn't really blow me away it sort of felt like a throwback to you know 80s 90s movies where like a bunch of movie stars sit around in rooms talking and like that's you know, I guess like you, you were saying with the, the superhero uh, thing being sort of, um, you know, not not played out, but like you needing a break from that in in that uh, respect, air is a breath of fresh air. It's It, it just feels like it's nice to see um, a movie made for adults, basically. Um, you know, I didn't think it was spectacular, but I enjoyed myself all the way through. I thought uh, Matt Damon was very much like doing his thing. I don't, I don't think this is going to like win him an Oscar or anything like that. And, and Ben Affleck, even behind the camera, like the direction is not um, particularly remarkable. I think it's not like he really puts much of an authorial stamp on it. It kind of feels like a lot of people could have made this movie, but I, I feel like it, it aligns very well with Ben Affleck's interests as a person. Like there's also, or I mean, there's, there's obviously like a, the basketball component and he's, he's made basketball movies and, and is a big fan of basketball in, in real life. But also this idea of like, um, of, uh, uh, I think it's called actors equity is the uh, production company that he and Matt Damon recently started where they're trying to sort of upend the way that, um, Hollywood payment system structures work where like people, uh, the people who work on a movie get more of the, the, um, profits and stuff than instead of the studios basically. Um, so that, that idea is also actually reflected in this movie with Viola Davis playing, uh, Michael Jordan's mom. And she tries to, uh, essentially make a deal on, on Michael Jordan's behalf that like Jordan himself would take a cut of the percentage of, um, of the sales for the, right. the Air Jordan shoes. So like that kind of idea, you know, there's some, some, uh, uh, simpatico kind of thought processes going on there. So um, yeah, I, I just thought it was like a, a really solid, enjoyable movie. It was really nice to see Chris Tucker back. I hadn't seen him in a long time. Um, I forget, Chris, did I talk to you about this film? Have you seen this yet? I have seen it. We haven't talked about it, but yeah, I, I liked it. It's a, it's, it's not like my favorite Ben Affleck movie. I like Ben Affleck as a director, except for uh, what was that movie called? They live by night or something. Oh yeah, live by night. I think live yeah. by night, which was awful. Uh, but I like him for the most part. I even think Argo is pretty good. Uh, I feel like you know after that one best picture, there was a backlash to it. But mm -hmm. I actually think it's a pretty solid adult movie. I like that Ben Affleck makes movies for adults. I kind of like that. And I think what I was most impressed about Air is that it made me care about a billion dollar shoe company. Like. <laughs> Like, I am very poor. Times are tough. Everyone is struggling. And if you can make a movie where we're rooting for the billion-dollar shoe company, I think you're, you're on to something there. So I, I do think uh, Air is a pretty solid film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Affleck plays Phil Knight, who is like this sort of um, eccentric owner of Nike. And he's, 
I don't know, Goofy may be too strong, uh, but he's he's certainly eccentric and certainly like, uh, you know, has his sort of um, weird, his, his like weirdness to it and his haircut is terrible and yeah. the way he dresses is really awful. And um, it, it, I was glad to see that everybody who's making this movie seemed to be having a lot of fun. I feel like seeing Damon and Affleck on screen together uh, for the first time since the last duel, which was definitely not a fun movie. I mean, it was no. a good movie. I enjoy that movie, but uh, the the tone for for this is like completely on the opposite end of the spectrum. And then also, just one quick shout out to uh, Chris Messina, who plays Michael Jordan's agent, who is like really going over the top in a very fun way. There's a scene where he. Uh, yells at Matt Damon's character on the phone where he's just like swearing and like knocking things off his desk and just like, yeah. you know, dialing it up to 11. And I thought he, he did a great job and looked like he was what having did, a blast. So what did you think of the choice to not show Michael? Jordan? I mean, they show him from behind, but he never has any dialogue. And I thought that was a, a curious choice. Like Michael Jordan, like I get why Ben Affleck was doing it. And he, I, like, I read an interview where he was like, you know, It'll be like there's only one Michael Jordan. If we cast someone to play him, no one's going to buy it. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it makes him feel like he has zero agency. Like he yeah. just he just shows up to meetings and says nothing. And it's like, does he like what's going on here? I don't. So yeah. it's it's a it's a weird choice. Like I understood why he did it, but I don't know if it works. So, uh, so I'm curious to see what you thought of that. Yeah, that that's a really interesting point. I hadn't really thought about it that way, but you verbalizing the fact that Jordan's character doesn't have agency in this movie, I think crystallized um, this sort of like itching thing in the back of my mind about this film, and I, I think that really underlines it. I think. Um, yeah, it makes sense because like I read an interview with uh, Affleck where he was talking about like he he went to Michael Jordan before he made the movie and basically said like, if you don't give me your permission to make this film, I'm not going to do it. Like I, I want to have your blessing to make this. And Jordan said, yeah, that's fine. I just want Viola Davis to play my mom. That was like his his one stipulation. So I get that that they wanted to center her character in this story. Um but yeah, it, it is interesting that it sort of by doing that, it sort of pushes Jordan himself out of the equation to uh, like almost a complete degree. So yeah, it, it um, makes it seem like he had no like input at all, which is like a weird and not to besmirch Viola Davis, who is a great actor and she's really good. Like she has a big speech at the end, and she completely nails it, and it's like. Her role up until that point is kind of small. And I was like, it's weird that they cast her in this. And then he gave her that big speech. And it's like, oh, now it makes sense because she's so mm-hmm. good. But yeah, it's it's, it's, a, it's a weird choice. I, I don't I don't know how else you could have done it, but it's, it's an odd choice. Yeah, I wonder if when Jordan said you can make the movie, it, that was part of his, um, that was maybe a private, and this is complete speculation on my yeah. part, but maybe that was part of the speculation was just like, I don't really want somebody to play me. I don't want to, I don't want my character to be, you know, a major force in this because he has such control over his image in real life. Yeah. Like, you know, we saw the last dance and and that was a, um, you know, that's an incredible documentary, but he was like very much approving every decision and, and was sort of like a, um, you know, he, he was behind the scenes in a major way on that movie. It was not like he just sort of said, Hey, you guys can make this documentary and, and go for it. And I'll just like sit back and, you know, participate in interviews and call it a day. Like he, he is very, very careful about how he's portrayed on screen. So I'm curious if uh, if that will ever come out that like maybe he had more to do with 
that decision and maybe like, I don't know, maybe in initial drafts of the script or something, um, the, the Jordan character is maybe more prominent or something like that. But um, the solution yeah. is to make a movie about the making of Space Jam. And then we can f- <laughs> see who, who's playing Michael Jordan in that. <laughs> oh, man, that would be incredible. They, you know, they are making that movie. Um, I think they're still making this. Uh, there's that, that movie about... Uh, remember in the last dance, there's that that bit about Dennis Rodman like oh, going yeah. to Vegas, um, like in the middle of the playoffs or something like that. I think Lord and Miller are producing, are still producing a movie about Dennis Rodman like going, like leaving the abandoning the team and going to like party in Vegas for 24 or 48 hours or something. Yeah. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe we'll get a, a glimpse of a, a Jordan uh, cameo or something like that. Somebody playing a younger version of him in that. So. Yeah. Um, okay, the, the only other movie that I watched recently is called Inside Out, and it's not the uh, the Pixar movie. It's from 1975. It is a British action thriller uh, directed by Peter Duffel that stars Telly Savalas, um, and it also stars James Mason and Robert Culp. And the, the basic uh, premise, I think you'll enjoy this, Chris. I'll just read from IMDb here. It says, uh, 30 years after World War II, a team of former GIs and German soldiers plans to retrieve Nazi loot hidden in the Soviet-occupied East Germany, its exact location known only to an imprisoned Nazi war criminal. So the the movie really kicks off with Telly Savalas' character, who is sort of down on his luck. And he is, he is uh, met in, I think it's in, in London, by... A, uh, a German soldier who, who you know, years and years before had like, uh, I think kept him in some sort of camp or something like that during the war and everything all sort of shook out and everybody got out of the war okay, these, these characters. Uh, but this guy comes back into Telly Savalas' character's life and says like, hey, uh, I remember you being this sort of, um, you know, really capable guy when I was like in command of this uh, area where you're being kept. And I now have this secret of I know that there's you know Nazi gold that's been buried in this location. Will you help me steal it? And so there's a little bit of um, you know like why should I trust you? This kind of deal. But ultimately, these guys end up teaming up and trying to put a crew together. And instead of this being you know just a treasure hunt movie, they know where kind of like where this thing is, where this this treasure is, but there's actually only one guy who really knows the, the specifics of it. And this person is in, he's a, a Nazi war criminal who has been uh, kept basically in solitary confinement. And, and he is inside this giant prison where he's, I think, the only prisoner. And there are like teams of people round the clock who watch him and make sure, you know, it is like ultra, ultra high security. So the, the, uh, the crew, their task is to, basically break into this prison, break this guy out for long enough for them to be able to question him about where exactly this uh, this Nazi gold is hidden and then get him back into the prison without any of the security forces and, and governmental agencies who overlook this, who, who uh, run this prison without any of them finding out about it. So um, it's, it's very, uh, it's like a, it's called Inside Out because I think they have to break this guy out of prison in order to, uh, you know, learn this information and then break him back in. So it's it's kind of like a, a jailbreak movie, but uh, a heist movie and and like a, a World War II kind of post Nazi treasure hunt movie all rolled up into one. And it was like very enjoyable. I mean, it's not again, it's not going to like blow anyone away. Um, it's very much in the in the mold of like you know um, the sort of where eagles dare and like uh, you know Hogan's Heroes, like th- those kinds yeah. of like. Um, you know, a bunch of like grimy dudes in the seventies, like, you know, dressing like schlubs and, uh, you know, 
um, like the fight scenes such as they are in this movie is like one guy getting punched in the gut and like that takes somebody down. You know, this is not like a John Wick stylized, yeah. you know, kind of thing. It's it's very like down and dirty. Um, and Telly Savalas is like super charismatic and he's like, hey, baby, what are we going to do here? Like, <laughs> and, um, and James Mason plays the the sort of, um you know, former German soldier who, who comes to Savalas and he's always great to watch. So yeah, uh, yeah a lot of fun here. Um, I, I'm, I'm tempted to tell you like, one of the big scenes in this movie, but I, I'll keep it. Uh, I'll keep it uh, under wraps just in case anybody watches this, because the the sort of reveal of exactly how they get the information from this this imprisoned person uh, was like very creative and um, and sort of made the whole experience for me. So uh, I won't ruin that here in case anybody wants to watch Inside Out. But um, let me see if I can find out this movie i should have looked this up beforehand but let me see if i can find out if this movie is streaming anywhere i just, I just looked it looks like it's not streaming anywhere it doesn't even look uh, like it's sort of like rent or how did you watch this man, yeah so I, I still subscribe to a, a cable package and i i just ah. uh, got it off of um eternal classic movies which is airing on there so yeah. uh okay well that's unfortunate but uh yeah maybe write it down maybe uh, uh, periodically search for it or something if you're interested in that Maybe pirate it. Who knows? I'm not saying you should do that, but maybe you yeah, should if it's it. available. Who? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if it's out there on on YouTube or something, it's definitely if, if if they're not giving you the option to rent it anywhere, what else are you supposed to do? Come on. Yeah, exactly. That's how I feel about. I'm not pro piracy, but if there's no other choice, then I am pro piracy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come on. I think I feel like that's a reasonable yeah. stance to take in in the year of our Lord 2023. So yeah. everything's um, everything's ending. It's fine. The world is ending. We we can steal some movies. It's all right. Yes. All right. Uh, I think that's going to do it for today's show. You can find more about a lot of the, the uh, projects that we mentioned on today's show at SlashFilm.com. SlashFilm Daily is published every weekday, bringing the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please subscribe to our newsletter. Send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at Peter at SlashFilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow.